From NASA sending astronauts to the moon to billionaires launching themselves into space, there's something about the cosmos that inspires people to attempt the impossible. None of this would be possible if it weren't for a group of engineers who risked it all for the sake of blowing stuff up. From LAS Studios, listen to LA Made, Blood, Sweat, and Rockets, available now wherever you get your podcasts. There is this particular scene from Time Mythology where you have hundreds of demons and hundreds of uh, angels that are descending upon, you know, this ocean. And it's a stormy ocean, you know, there's thunderclouds and storms. And they're here because there's a final face-off. So what was that song called? Describe it for us. So this piece uh, in Thai is called Asura Tewa Chumnum. In English, this translates to Enter Demons and Gods. And um, I wanted this this music to be sort of this epic accompaniment uh, to this, this scene. It's like the sound that I have generated using all of these machine learning techniques is like the siren call of these Thai demons and these gods. There's something special in the song you just heard. You might not be able to tell exactly what it is. It's partly the traditional Thai instruments, partly the electronic bass. But the big thing, the thing that's totally new, is the way it was made, using artificial intelligence to create instruments and sounds that have never existed before. And I wanted this piece to be almost like a a manifesto of what I believed in, in terms of how machine learning can empower music, but also empower music from, um, you know, cultures in in Southeast Asia. This is Where the Internet Lives, a show about the unseen world of data centers. I'm Stephanie Wong, and I'm your guide to the people and places that make up the internet. This season, we're exploring how data centers change the world around them in surprising and transformative ways. The connection between data centers and new sounds using artificial intelligence may not be obvious, but these supercomputers play a highly sophisticated role in enabling creators like Hanoi Hanchakul. I like to call uh, myself a a cultural technologist. I like to use technology in creative ways uh, to reimagine culture, and especially culture from where I'm from, um, Southeast Asia, uh, but also the greater Pan-Asia region and beyond. Hanoi is a musician and research scientist who works on audio and artificial intelligence. He grew up in Bangkok and studied physics and music in the U.S. Music has always fascinated him, especially the music of Southeast Asia. So much so that after college, he spent time 3D printing traditional fiddles from across the region. But in 2016, he stumbled across a magazine article about a musical technology that would change the course of his career. This was at a time where machine learning was really just taking off. And I remember just reading that article and being, this is very interesting. What is this uh, machine learning? Artificial intelligence and machine learning have been capturing headlines recently, mostly in generative AI, which uses algorithms to make images, write poems, or answer complex questions. Machine learning is a type of AI, And it's being integrated into everything around us, from streaming recommendations to self-driving cars to disease diagnosis. 
Back when Hanoi stumbled across that magazine article, machine learning was just starting to explode into the creative world. Hanoi admits he didn't entirely get it, but he knew it was huge. I remember just thinking to myself, it's like, I have no idea what this machine learning thing is, but it's really going to change the way that we make music. And that was what inspired me to, to pursue and actually like make a, make a switch. So when I was doing my master's degree, uh, I, I really decided to just go head on and pick up as much machine learning and statistics as I could. MIT's Sloan School of Management describes machine learning as giving computers the ability to learn without explicitly being programmed. Essentially, humans feed tons of data into a machine learning model, which learns to generate new things. The moment that machine learning really grabbed Hanoi's attention was when he heard about a particular model called WaveNet. It was created by a Google-affiliated company called DeepMind to create sound. Researchers fed WaveNet a bunch of data. In one version, it was classical piano music. And it generated piano music all on its own. I play piano myself, and I just remember being gobsmacked um, by the result. From there, he started learning about the world of researchers applying machine learning to music and sound. One group of researchers at Google was working on a team called Project Magenta. They were making machine learning tools for all kinds of art, including one called NSynth SoundMaker which allows you to combine sounds like never before. So you can take the sound of a flute. You can take the sound of a cat and put the two things together and you get like this meowing cat flute. And I just remember seeing that demo and I, I was just so inspired by the creative possibilities of this technology that I had never seen, you know, before. So you read that paper, have this realization, you hear the piano and the cat flute, and you get more inspired. So what happens next? So I, I think the, a, a, a really fantastic turning point for me was um, when I finished my, my master's degree, um, I, I applied to a program called the Google AI Residency. And this particular program brings in researchers from outside of computer science or who may not have your typical background uh, in machine learning and um, get them to work alongside, uh, you know, the leading researchers in the field um, at Google um, and also uh, at, at, at DeepMind. And so I was very fortunate that, that I applied and actually got into this program after graduate school. And honestly, that was like a dream come true for me because it was an opportunity to work with the researchers who had literally inspired me to jump into this field into the first place. So the way I like to describe it is it's like, you know, if you picked up uh, the guitar because you've been listening to, you know, your favorite band and like Metallica or something like that. And then literally one day they asked us like, hey, do you, do you want to go on tour with us? And I was like, yes, <laughs> very much. This group that Hanoi was getting to go on tour with, it was Magenta. Google launched it in 2015 as part of the Google Brain team. Magenta is a research group that started with a simple question. Can we use machine learning to empower people to be creative? Their goal is to develop accessible tools that empower expression across a range of skill levels while celebrating users' unique identities, backgrounds, and cultures. Remember the cat flute? Magenta made that with a tool called Ensign, which creates new sounds from two different things, like a cat and a flute. It is one of the range of tools they've made to use machine learning to make music and art accessible and fun. 
Other examples include WordCraft, an AI-augmented text editor that suggests story ideas and rewrites text. DrumBot, a drum machine that generates drums based on your melody. And Piano Genie, a tool that allows you to create virtuosic piano music with just a few buttons. Plus, tons more. Hanoi started working on the Magenta team in 2018 until the end of his Google AI residency in 2020. And they were trying to solve a problem that plagued many of the tools. They required a lot of processing power. So they were really, really slow. Imagine if you were playing a musical instrument and you hit a key and it takes it five minutes to actually respond. So we wanted to develop machine learning systems that could actually interact and respond uh, in real time. But using these big models, there's just too many computations uh, to do that. So that was one of the first issues. The second issue was making tools that users could adjust. Even though researchers designed the machine learning models, once you train the model, it goes through so many calculations on its own that it becomes what researchers call a black box. They aren't entirely sure how it generates audio, and it's difficult to adjust them on the fly. If you wanted to change a little bit of the sound, so... I'm not quite happy with the meow of this cat flute. Can you make it less meowy, for example? It wasn't obvious how you could go into the machine learning model and actually tweak some of its parameters to change these. The researchers on Magenta developed an approach called Differentiable Digital Signal Processing, or DDSP for short, that allowed them to control efficient signal processing operations with expressive neural networks, make neural audio synthesis orders of magnitude faster and more data efficient by baking prior knowledge into the network. And so what that means is you can have machine learning models that are a lot smaller. Um, and so you could generate something and get it back in a couple of seconds. And this, this was a, a game changer um, because it put music machine learning in the audio space into an interactive domain that is very, very important for artistic and musical uh, applications. Tell me how this interacts with the user interface. Like, how would you actually use this as a musician? Yeah, so one of the projects that um, I had the pleasure of leading is a project called Tone Transfer. And so the way that you would interact with it is you would record yourself uh, singing, for example. So this is actually me singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Somewhere over the rainbow. And this is it at as violin. And that machine learning model will analyze what you've sang, and it will change that performance and transform that performance as though it was played by uh, the musical instrument that was selected. Now, this is really cool with the singing voice, but you'll see that on tone transfer, I had put you know, some other demos, such that is actually non-musical demos that can be transformed into music. So there's a great example of birds chirping. And here's the sound of a bird as a flute. And I was completely blown away by this because if you asked actually a flautist to play what the bird just sang, it, it's going to be very, very hard and almost impossible for us to sit and, you know, and figure out, okay, did the bird go, whip, 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 whip. Um, but the machine learning model does it so effortlessly. And so you get this sound of a flute that you've never heard before. It's almost pushing the boundaries of uh, what this sound can do. What they wanted to do next was make sure that musicians could easily use this tone transfer tool. Hanoi then worked on a standalone plugin that allows creators to use the tools on their own computer. 
And we got it working in real time inside of Ableton Live, which means I can use it just like any other tool in my music making arsenal. Um, it completely changes how you think about using the technology because it just effortlessly integrates with how you're making music. So you started composing music with these tools and you eventually entered an AI song contest, which you won. So how did you develop the composition for that contest? I entered the, the, the AI song contest because I thought it would be an opportunity for me to really sort of cement this triangle of culture, music, and machine learning together. The main question that, that I began to ask myself is, you know, up until this point, I have been developing these tools that empower musical cultures from Southeast Asia and empower different kinds of motifs from all these different, from all these different traditions. But what, if, what is the point of all this if no one wants to listen to music using these techniques? Like, what is the point of, you know, going through this entire process of developing a musical tool that preserves the cultural inflections of music from Thailand, but like no one from Thailand wants to listen to that music. Hanoi wanted to prove to himself that these tools, his career's work, were useful and meaningful. Not just to him, but to others. So he wrote a song. He combined Thai music and Thai history with machine learning. When I started writing the music, I was very inspired by a Thai musical instrument called uh, the bee. So the bee is a, is a reeded instrument. You can think of it like an oboe uh, from, from, from Thailand. It has this very, very unique piercing sound. And the reason that the bee is important is because this instrument actually permeates a lot of Thai culture. If you've ever been to Thailand and you've gone to a boxing match, a uh, Muay Thai game in Thailand, you'll hear the sound of the bee hyping up uh, the, the match. This hyped-up sound is what Hanoi had in mind for the song contest, a soundtrack to the scene from Thai mythology that he mentioned at the top of the show. Remember the epic showdown of demons and gods over a stormy ocean? So Hanoi used the sound of the pie. He then applied AI tools to make something totally new. For example, the pie translated into a trumpet and into a saxophone. And multiple versions of the instrument combined into a spooky chorus. And this is the sound he used to make his song enter Demons and Gods for the AI Music Contest. In total, the contest received 46 submissions, and Hanoi's song came out on top. Let's talk about the underlying computational framework that makes this all possible. How are data centers central to training these models and enabling all of these new applications? Obviously, you know, um, modern machine learning is based on data, and you need a lot of data to, to train a machine learning model. So if you want to generate music, you need data of the music that you want to generate. If you want to train a self-driving car, you need lots of videos of you know, roads and streets and pedestrians and cyclists and tuk-tuks from Thailand. Um, and so, the, the, you know, these have to live somewhere. And, you know, these will be found in, you know, huge data centers. And then you need the ability to train machine learning models on this data, um, which is, you know, we're talking gigabytes and terabytes. So they're not going to be living on your normal everyday laptop. Um, so the first part is housing the data. The second part is doing the training. Now, machine learning requires very, very... Um, computationally intensive 
calculations. And it turns out that the hardware that is really great for this is GPUs or graphical processing units. And so the key was to develop new software and new firmware that could run on these GPUs to pull off these calculations. And I I think this is um, what sort of pushed um, GPU research and machine learning hardware uh, to get to the point that it is today. And thanks to these underlying technical innovations in data centers, we now have highly sophisticated tools that are opening the doors for musicians and non-musicians alike. You know, my my mom has always said to me, you know, when she sees a lot of the technologies that I'm working on, she said like, Hanoi, I can't compose music, but I love watching you compose music. Does this mean that one day, like, I'll be able to also compose music and share the music that I write with you? And the answer is yes. Um, And I think that a lot of these tools will not only empower musicians, but we will see use cases where they can empower non-musicians to be able to write music. We're at this moment of mass awakening around the power of AI for image, text, video, and music generation. So what does this mean for the creative class? How transformative are these tools? The way that I like to think about this is music and technology have always been fundamentally intertwined. So if we go back to our ancestors when we were still using uh, stones, you know, we decided to use these stones and like carve little holes in bones and like make flutes. And that was instruments that we made at the time. Once we figured out how to use metals, uh, we made ships and we made machines, but we also made instruments made from metal. Um, all the trumpets that you, you find um, uh, from, you know, different musical cultures fall into this category. And so... At each of these steps, we were able to use technology to expand the creative possibilities that a musician and a composer had access to. So if you think about rock and roll, rock and roll would not exist as a genre if it wasn't for the electric guitar. Instruments like the drum machine and the MPC and the turntable allowed hip-hop, for example, to be born. It allowed sampling and remixing to, to happen in the first place. Modern electronic music, you know, dubstep, house music, EDM, this genre of music would not exist without the modern laptop. So what I'm really excited about is when we look back, you know, 10 years, I'm really fascinated by what kinds of new music can um, these tools enable us to write that was never possible before. We have links to everything we covered today in our show notes, including the full version of Hanoi's Enter Demons and Gods and the other AI song contest entries. You'll also find more information about Google's Project Magenta and the tools mentioned, like Tone Transfer. Where the Internet Lives is produced by PostScript Media in collaboration with Google. Our theme music was written by Echo Finch. Additional music came from Epidemic Sounds, Blue Dot Sessions, and Echo Finch. You can subscribe to the show on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you access your shows. And please give us a rating if you like the series. I'm Stephanie Wong. Thank you for listening. I've been wondering something lately. Why does it seem like once you become a billionaire, when you're one of those disruptor CEO mavericks, the only thing left to do to test your genius is to build yourself a rocket ship. And I speak for all of us here at SpaceX when I say we could not be more excited to finally be sending humans to the International Space Station. 
there's Elon Musk. I cannot emphasize this enough. We must make life sustainably multiplanetary. There's Jeff Bezos, who stepped down as CEO of Amazon to focus on Blue Origin, his rocket company, and sent William Shatner to the edge of space, not to mention Richard Branson and Virgin Galactic. So what is it with these guys? Why the middle-aged pivot to rocketry? I think there's something about outer space, the cosmos, that inspires people to attempt the impossible. But here's what most people don't know. None of this would have happened. No billionaires launching themselves into the wild blue yonder. No moon landing either. If it weren't for a group of men in Pasadena, California, back in the 1930s. They risked it all for the sake of blowing shit up and changing the world. Specialization complete. Affirmative. They would come to be known as the Suicide Squad. Allow me to introduce them. Chen Shu Shen, the mathematician. And he would come to the classroom. He would just, there's the students obviously ask questions. And Chen would say, I would suggest you to drop off my class. That's it, simple. Frank Molina, the mastermind. I would say it was kind of his dream to establish unmanned exploration of space. And lastly, Jack Parsons, the one about whom I have reservations. Parsons was perhaps the most, <laughs> I would say, unusual one. Jack always wanted to set off rockets and explosions. He wanted to be out there in the field and making things happen. That's the crew. They were the perfect storm. In the 1930s, if you said you wanted to work on rockets, colleagues would ostracize you, financiers would laugh in your face, and everyone would assume you were going to accidentally blow yourself up, which was a fair assumption. Frequent explosions at Caltech are actually how this team earned its name, the Suicide Squad. But far from being a joke, the squad's achievements led to the founding of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Southern California, which has landed rovers on Mars. So let me say this. If you think Branson and Musk have earned their reputation as eccentric wild cards, just wait till you hear the Suicide Squad story. There will be satanic ceremonies and some practices known as sex magic. Which is using sexual intercourse and, and orgasm in rituals to harness energy towards a specific goal. There will also be historical figures who get screwed over and unfairly forgotten. Women have been a part of every major milestone and every mundane task in the history of aerospace, and their stories are not often told or remembered. There will be a corrosive and widespread communist scare. The then director of JPL, Louis Dunn, walked into an FBI office and said, I think this is spying at JPL. And ultimately, there will be a suspicious death. There were actually two explosions, one right after another. It shook the city with shockwaves. Test telephone switch to arm, arm light on. Trusty command to internal. I'm M.G. Lord. Discover the mad origins of aerospace. Two, one, zero. 
Blood, Sweat, and Rockets, the first season of L.A. Made, a new podcast coming soon from L.A.'s studios. Thank you.